This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason. And with me is a man who is nearly perfect, Rich. Hello, Rich. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Nearly yeah, perfect, though. Yes. Yeah. A 12-1 in his career in um, life, I, I would yeah, say. Yeah, that's, that's a good record. I'm I'm like 8-5, eight and, eight and five, so. Well, you know. Yeah. Hey. What, what can you do? I, I was the <laughs> I was a champion back in the early days when you'd have to win as many games to be a champion. So Right, exactly. And you could hand check. So to oh, be yeah. honest, your that's era true. is better than my era because you could hand check. It was check a lot tougher. I yes, I, we could hand check. <laughs> it. We, were, we were much tougher. We were uh, much more physical. We had more skills as well uh, somehow. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you didn't, you didn't make these super teams either. You didn't get real lazy and say, you know what? Really good players should come together and play on the same team. It wasn't like that in your day. No. We never had good players play Every together. superstar was on their own team yes. and battled each other. They, they actually force superstars to join other teams because they didn't want them all <laughs> right. to be in one team. Yeah. Right, which is a great thing. I'm glad That's they did That's the way they did it, but, yeah. Uh, no. I, I do remember <laughs> that. Until, uh, what? Uh, until 2011 when LeBron went to Miami. It, until then. Yeah. That's until how then. it was done. Then so. the tide was cast and everything's gone on <laughs> from there. Once you let one guy join up with his friends on a super team, it just, you know, the floodgates, yeah, balloons from there. They, uh, they come loose. Force. Is that what floodgates do? They come loose? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do they? Come, I think they just go up and down, though, right? Do they go? Do they technically come they, loose, or do they just do, open? Are, are they broken? Are they? Um, I'm not sure. I, do not, I don't think I've ever actually seen a floodgate. I don't know a whole so. lot about floodgates, to be honest. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, this is not That's a floodgate it. education podcast. As much as we would like to do that, it's not, not the best. Uh, not our area of One expertise. Day. Basketball history allegedly is our area of expertise. So that that is true. We, we do, do very good at that. Let's do it. All yeah, right, I think cool. it's a good idea. So you uh, you dug into uh, an interesting. Uh, Interesting bit of trivia I, I found about uh, teams that um, very nearly were perfect in the uh, playoffs. That, that has not uh, happened yet in um, NBA history. We're at a point where it could happen very soon, but it has yet to happen. And you explored some teams that uh, came extremely close. Yeah, so just to just give people an idea of the premise of the show, we, were, we wanted to do this last week before the NBA Finals. I got very sick, and I was like, oh, man, I was so disappointed, too, because we had done you know a lot of the work on this of, like, oh, perfect playoff runs for the Warriors. All oh, this would be great because, you know, they're going into the Finals as one of few teams to be perfect uh, before the Finals start. And I was worried, oh, man, oh, the Finals are going to start. Maybe they'll lose one. Oh, it didn't matter because they're 2-0 and so far in the Finals. Uh, we could be looking at the first ever perfect postseason ever, but they're not completely unprecedented as far as teams that have gone and made deep playoff runs while still being perfect here. And, uh, of course, so the Warriors, you know, they're perfect 14-0 as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, they were the first team ever to win their first 12 games. We'll talk about that a little bit, though. Obviously, the, the changing of the playoff structure uh, helps them be the first to do that when there was, you know, other potential uh, chances here and there. Uh, what's also Real fun about that too is they're winning by an average of fourteen or seventeen rather points per game, uh, and they're twenty-two and nineteen point victors in the NBA Finals. So they're just dominating. They're just amazing. But uh, yeah, there's only two previous teams in the modern era who went eleven and zero before the league moved to a best of seven in the first round. That was the '89 Lakers and the 2001 Lakers. So we'll talk a little about them later. But we wanted to touch on a little bit of the other teams because there are quite a few others that 
enter the NBA Finals with a perfect playoff record. Uh, we want to look at a little bit of how long they keep the, kept the streak alive through the Finals uh, and see if maybe the Warriors are the team that could pull off the perfect postseason. They're two games away from doing it, and you know, as we'll talk about in a little bit, they've gotten longer than or, or farther rather than just about any other team in history. But there is precedent, though, and they're not alone. No, they're not alone. In fact, the first team that we're going to discuss back in the days of the old BAA, uh, the 1949 Minneapolis Lakers, they uh, won the championship. They were 7-0 entering the uh, finals. Uh, that year, they had the best offense and defense in the league and were first in SRS. Their uh, key players on that team were uh, George Mikan, every listener this I'm sure has heard of, and uh, he had, was uh, 28.3 points per game in the regular season, 30.3 points per game in the playoffs, uh, supported also by uh, Jim Pollard, who was, a, who was a great player in his day as well. Some of the guys, uh, Vern Mickelson, would come along later that were a big part of that dynasty. Uh, Slater Martin, same, but uh, those were the two key guys right there. Uh, they managed to, uh, they, they swept the first two rounds, which were best of three. Uh, they beat the Chicago Stags uh, 2 nothing, and they also beat the uh, Rochester Royals uh, 2 nothing. Uh, Rochester, now the Sacramento Kings. And uh, they beat the uh, the Washington Capitals in the, um, in the, in the finals 4-2. Uh, to uh, They won the first three games of the finals, so they were game away from being perfect. So close. Yes. So but, close. The first. Yes. <laughs> But Washington was able to win two uh, to push it to a sixth game, kind of like the Sonics in uh, in 1996 against the Bulls. You know the uh, yeah yes mm-hmm. so um, yeah so the Lakers had come over the year before from the NBL. They had won that league's championship. The NBL and the BA were the two teams that merged to become the NBA. Uh, the NBA is a little shady about their history. It doesn't really give the NBL the credit that it's due. Um, but uh, after winning that championship, the Lakers, along with Rochester, uh, Fort Wayne, who were the Pistons, of course, now Detroit and uh, in Indianapolis, um, not the Pacers, a, 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 the Olympians, I believe, Olympians, yes, yeah, I moved think over correct. to the uh, to, to, to the BAA. And then the year after that, uh, those leagues merged. Uh, the Hawks and Nationals stayed in the NBL and then they went over to the NBA in the merger. In fact, five of the eight original NBA teams that basically survived the craziness of the early 30, early 50s when teams were contracted and such uh, have the roots in the NBA NBL. So so half of that league actually started in the NBL, not the BAA. But uh, Mike himself, he had actually started off with the Chicago American Gears, led them to an NBL championship in 47. So it's three years in a row that a Georgia Mike led team wins a championship in its league. Uh, and that continues throughout the early 50s. Um, then eventually um, uh, there's some shenanigans happened. The, a the gears owner decided to form a different league and uh, which folded after just a month. And then eventually uh, Mike did not have a team and he ended up going to the uh, Lakers and uh, changed the course of basketball history. And uh, 1950, the uh, Minneapolis Lakers would repeat that because they would win a title once again uh, in this particular run of their playoffs. They uh, we we'll get to it here in a little bit because it's a little more complicated than it was the prior year, obviously, with the new league and, and some new teams. But uh, let's let's circle back a little bit about the Minneapolis Lakers first uh, regular season record 51 and 17 that was first in the nba's new central division uh srs it was 8.25 which is obviously first in the league and this is the 25th best single season srs of all time so uh definitely an elite team of all time uh key players of course george mikan uh 27.4 points per game in the regular season 31.3 in the playoffs uh the aforementioned jim pollard he had 14.7 in the regular season uh 12 in the playoffs and then Vern nicholson as you mentioned um kind of emerging a little bit more here 11.6 in the regular season he steps that up to 13 
13.0 in the playoffs. So a little bit more of him emerging and like you said, a few other guys. But this was definitely a, one of the early dynasties of of professional basketball in a lot of ways. Uh, as far as the playoff path, it really kind of weird. So you're going to have kind of have to stick with us here as we explain it here. So they won the NBA Central Division first place tiebreaker versus the Rochester Royals. The teams had identical 31 and 17 records in the regular season. So, okay, Mike has 35 points. That leads uh, the Lakers, you know, into the NBA's Central uh, Semifinals. Um, then they go to the NBA Central Division Semifinals against the Chicago Stags. Then they go to the NBA Central Division Finals against the Fort Wayne Pistons. They sweep both those series 2-0-2-0. Uh, if you're kind of wondering what the hell's going on here, the league had a really odd playoff structure this year with each division acting almost as its, as its own entity uh, post-merger. Uh, to define the first and third place, the Lakers played games against the Royals, the Stags, and the Pistons. And this was, quote-unquote, preliminary to the 1950 NBA playoffs. So they do all those games. They, they bit, get through the Stags. They get through the Pistons. Then they go to the NBA Semifinals against the Anderson Packers. So hopefully sticking with us here. It's, it was very, very weird. And if you look at it as well, it's, it's confusing. Like some teams didn't play the same teams. Like some teams played less games than the other. It was, it was a mess. I mean, they're still trying to get this league together. And as, as Jason mentioned, the, the 50s were chaotic for, for basketball. And this year uh, was definitely one of them. So once the Lakers made it through the NBA Central Division playoffs, they faced off with the Anderson Packers, as mentioned, of the Western Division. Uh, the Syracuse Nationals got a bye to the finals, so they weren't really uh, involved in this. I'm not exactly sure why. I think it's because they had a higher win percentage, but they played less games. So that hardly seems fair that uh, the Lakers uh, got the, the raw end of that deal. But the uh, whatever, the Syracuse Nationals got a bye to the finals going 51 and 13. Uh, the Lakers were one and one against them in the regular season. So it's not like they had, uh, you know, any issues with the tiebreaker, uh, but they went 51 and 17 overall. So I think it was win percentage. I couldn't find out who the hell knows. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Anyway, we get to the NBA finals. Uh, the Minneapolis Lakers then beat the Syracuse Nationals. In the NBA Finals, they won the first game uh, before Syracuse finally got a chance to, to win um, and and put them away. But yeah, so that led uh, really the Lakers were eight zero. If you count all the you know early Central Division playoffs and stuff, they were eight zero. But they were able to only get one game into the NBA Finals before uh, they ended up losing as well. So not really close to a perfect playoff run, but yeah, not bad. I mean, pretty close. I mean, they went four two in the NBA Finals. Not as close as they were the year prior, but 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 certainly right up there. The good explanation, by the way, that is very complicated. I think you did. And I, I have, yeah, yeah. I was, it took me so long to figure it because it's, there's really no, like, it's really hard to find info on that. So I had to kind of, like, follow this paper trail. And then I was like, oh, well, they must have lost a tiebreaker. And then I find they were one and one against each other. I was like, all right, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it had to be win percentage, which, but if they don't play the same amount of games, well, whatever. Who, who yeah, knows? I remember, I've read, I can't remember exactly how they did it, but I remember there, of course, being a lot of craziness with that year in the schedule, obviously merging the two leagues. Um, <clears throat> geographically, it's complicated because most of the NBL teams were in smaller markets uh, in the Midwest, and but they'd had the better talent for the most part. The um, uh, the old BAA teams were in bigger cities and they you know, getting everybody in the right division. And it was a 17 team league. It was very unyieldy. Uh, so obviously a lot of those teams <laughs> started to uh, drop off in the next couple of seasons to the, the point where they went down to eight. So, yeah, it was definitely look great. Do you know who who are the Anderson Packers these days? Uh, the Anderson Packers do not exist, but uh, oh. except in our hearts. But yes, <laughs> in our hearts and our yes, minds. In our hearts, yeah. I, I believe it's Anderson, Indiana. So um, if any, anyone who's wondering where that city is, the uh, Anderson, Indiana Packers. So, so now uh, the uh, speaking of convoluted uh, playoff structures, the uh, 1954 uh, Syracuse Nationals. So. Um, 
they did not win the title. They were 6-0 and going into the finals, including a round robin. That regular season, they were 42-30, and uh, finished second in their division. Uh, they had a, a really good uh, expected win-loss, 15-22, uh, so they were way under what they would have been. They were number one SRS in the league. Um their top players, Adolph Shays um, and Paul Seymour. Uh, Shays had 17.1 points per game at the regular season, 16 in the uh, playoffs. And uh, what happened basically is within each division, the top three teams in the season standings played a double round robin. It was one game in each city for each pair of teams, and you eliminated one of the uh, participants. So Syracuse went 4-0 in their round robin with Boston and New York. And then after that, we had we had somebody on Twitter. I just sorry not to interrupt, sure. but somebody on Twitter asked with this because I mentioned this round robin as I was trying to kind of figure this out a little bit. And someone said, would the NBA finals this year be more exciting if there was a round robin? I, I, I don't know. I I maybe. But I, does anybody really want to round I mean, robin yeah. in the NBA playoffs? I, I mean, like, honestly, it would have been it would be hard for the playoffs to be less exciting than they've been this year. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the way that it's been. So perhaps a round right, robin exactly, would add yeah. a little spice to things. But uh yeah, I, just as far as figuring stuff out, I'm glad we don't have the round robins because it makes it a lot <laughs> yeah, harder to uh, try yeah, it does, things. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, after that, um, the uh, the Nationals beat the uh, Celtics uh, 2-0 in the East Finals, Eastern Division Finals, and then the NBA Finals. They um, they lost. They they took the the uh, Lakers to seven games. This was the last year for the Lakers dynasty. Mike and retired, um, and they lost the first game of the finals to end that streak. So. Um, so yeah, it was certainly a uh, certainly a interesting run, and it's more this is more of a technicality, of course, but uh, still interesting that they got that far. And then yeah, eventually uh, they exchanged games until Game Seven. The Lakers won by seven thanks to uh, Jim Pollard scoring twenty one, and it was their third title in a row and their fifth in the last last six years. And they wouldn't win another one until seventy two. Although that's still you know, not not too far away, but um, yeah. But for, they, for the Lakers, that's that's that was an eternity. That's true. Unfortunately. And, and of course, they with a lot of grief. In yeah, there, there yeah. were a lot of grief in the sixties. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. And the uh, how Al Servi, the uh, coach, was known for his grinded out style. Style, but yet the Nationals had the NBA's uh, best uh, pace of that season. This was one year before the uh, shot clock was instituted. That was instituted in the next season. So, yeah. So the NBA's best pace was still like ungodly slow yeah. right, by you know our normal standards. Sure. Sure. The standards of what we know today, but hey, you know he he told him to run and gun this year. So, yeah. all right, now we go to 1957. The Boston Celtics they would end up winning this title uh, this year. Uh, another weird kind of wonky playoff thing, but they uh, were three and zero. But we'll, we'll get to that here in a sec. Here, uh, regular season record they're 44 and 28. They finished first in the NBA's Eastern Division. Uh, they had the NBA's best defensive rating, their best pace, and the best SRS. Of course, the coach was Red Auerbach. Uh, Leading the team to that 44 and 28 record. Uh, the team had a famous trade the year prior as Auerbach had traded perennial all-star Ed McCauley to the St. Louis Hawks along with the draft rights to Cliff Hagan in exchange for the second overall pick in the draft. That pick, of course, became Bill Russell. So uh, key players for this uh, Boston Celtics team, you might know some of the guys. Bill Sharman, 21.1 points per game in the regular season. Guess what he had in the playoffs? 21.1 points. <laughs> so Bill Sharman, Mr. Consistency there. Uh, Bob Cousy, 20.6 points in the regular season, 20.2 in the playoffs. So they were all about staying on on brand there. Uh, Bill Russell, 
Uh, 14.7 points per game, 19.6 rebound per game in the regular season. Uh, it goes down a little bit in points per game, 13.9, but really re- raises the uh, the rebounds, 24.4 uh, in the playoffs. And then Tommy Heinsohn, uh 16.2 uh, in the regular season points per game, rather, and then uh, 22.9 points per game in the playoffs. Uh, the playoff path for the Boston Celtics, they won the Eastern Division Finals over the Syracuse Nationals 3-0, and then won the NBA Finals 4-3 over the St. Louis Hawks. Uh, so they obviously, they beat the St. Louis Hawks, they win the NBA Finals, so they, uh, they beat the Hawks, oh, you know, the team that they made that big trade with to get Bill Russell. And finally, after so many years of heartbreak, the Celtics got their title. And, you know, after so many years of bowing out in the playoffs, this will be the franchise's first title. And uh, I believe they would add quite a few more in the next coming years. Uh, one or two, I think. Maybe? Yeah, a handful, you know. We'll, we'll have to two, three, look it two, t- oh, eight. Yeah, eight, Sorry. right. Eight in a row. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so, yes, the. Um, I mean, interesting thing about that trade, of course, is that the it's famously a you know one sided trade, and to a certain extent it was. But the Hawks got two Hall of Famers back and went to you know three finals out of four years, so they they, they had a pretty good uh, trade there. Even though you would obviously prefer Bill Russell, one of the you know among the greatest of all time. Um, so yeah, their opponent also had a extraordinary playoff run, and and oddly were a team that had not performed that well in the regular season. Were only thirty four and uh, thirty eight, uh, but they were six and zero on their way to the uh, playoffs. And you might be a little confused because you may, may recall earlier that the uh, the Celtics were three and zero. Where well, the Hawks had an interesting playoff path where they. Uh, <laughs> They first had to win a, a tiebreaker against the um, the Fort Wayne Pistons, and then they had to, or excuse me, they first they had to win one against the Minneapolis Lakers, and then they had to win one against the Fort Wayne Pistons, and then they played the Lakers again in the uh, Western Division Finals, who they um, who they beat three zero, and then they won the first game of the series against Boston. Obviously, it lost game two and then lost it in uh, seven. But uh, the team went through uh, three coaches that year. Um, uh, Hall of Famer Red Holzman, of course, who would uh, later go on to fame with the uh, Celtics in the, uh, or excuse me, <clears throat> the Knicks in the uh, 1970s. Not the Celtics. Somebody's going to get, get mad about that one. Um, and Slater Martin was a <laughs> was a was a player coach for a handful of games. Then Alex Hannum, later legendary coach, uh, who was 33 at the time and pl- played on the team, uh, went 15 and 16 down the stretch. The uh, Hawks did have a, a great talent. They had uh, Bob Pettit. Uh, one of the greats of that era, one of the greats of all time. Ed McCauley, as was mentioned, uh, Slater Martin, who had played for the Lakers and who was a really good uh, defensive point guard against Bob Cousy. And uh, Cliff Hagen, who during the regular season didn't do much. He was a rookie, but then uh, exploded for 17 points per game and 11.2 rebounds per game in the playoffs and then would be, you know, really one of the Hawks key players for a long time. And, um, uh, yeah, so um, it, it was weird how they got there, uh, but they definitely uh, you know made the most of it once they uh, once they got there. Uh, game seven in that series was uh, you pretty much one of the great. Uh, if we actually had footage of it, it, would be one of the great NBA games of all time. It was a game seven that went to overtime, and uh, and finally Bill Russell and Tom Heinsohn as rookies led the Celtics to their first championship. It's uh, just a, one more interesting fact about this year. So the, the Hawks, of course, they go 34 and, and 38. Uh, and you say, oh, geez, that was terrible. How they still make the playoffs. Well, the, the whole league was really oddly mediocre this year. You had the Boston Celtics, uh, who were 44 and 28, as mentioned above. Uh, so they were good. You had the Syracuse Nationals in the East. They're 38 and 34. But otherwise, really, nobody else was all that good. You had the Philadelphia Warriors are 37 and 35. Uh, the New York Knicks missed the playoffs in the East at 36 and 36. That would be good enough for first in the Western Division. So, uh 
very interesting yeah. <laughs> there. Uh, the St. Louis Hawks, they're 34 and 38, so they're, of course, tied for first, as we mentioned. Minneapolis Lakers tied with them, 34 and 38. The Fort Wayne Pistons, also 34 and 38. And then the Rochester Royals, who are fourth place in the West, and the worst team in the league are 31 and 41. So, like, nobody's really good, nobody's really bad. It's just kind of like a weird mishmash year where just everyone's just kind of in this big blob, except for probably for the Boston Celtics, who, who, who are, uh, you know, the only team that really, um, were any decent i mean any good every other team kind of hovered around 500 yeah so. i mean yeah the other than boston everyone was between 38 and 31 wins and and mm-hmm. boston's record was only 13 games better than the worst team in the league which is you know unusual obviously i mean it's, it's <laughs> right, a significant right, yeah. difference but that's not you know the usual difference between first and last place in the uh in the entire league so i guess that's you know when you have eight teams that's uh it, you know it's the way it works sometimes <laughs> Well, now we jump uh, quite a few years ahead to 1982, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Regular season record of 57 and 25. Uh, this year is famous. We've uh, had an episode about this before. Uh, uh, head coach Paul Westhead was fired 11 games into the season in November. Uh, Magic Johnson and coach uh, Westfall had, or Westhead rather, I keep saying Westfall. Yeah. I don't know. I keep slandering Paul Westfall. It, it, he hasn't done it's anything. A, it's so. a common uh, mistake. <laughs> so, yeah. I know. I feel bad doing that, but uh, sorry, Paul Westfall. You, you're fine. Paul Westhead, uh, they had a, vol- a verbal altercation in the locker room. Johnson had offered input on the game, which resulted in Westhead twice telling him to shut up. Johnson then told reporters after this game that he would like to be traded anywhere, resulting in a barrage of media coverage. Again, we have done an episode about this as well. One of the uh, inexplicable times in Magic Johnson's career where he wasn't the, the good guy uh, for a while. Um, a day after this event, uh, Lakers owner Jerry Buss held a press conference at the Forum, uh, and he announced the firing of Westhead with his replacement being Pat Riley as the, quote, offensive coach, and general manager Jerry West as coach. So uh, West then came to the podium and clarified to the media that Riley was indeed the head coach, and that West himself would simply provide support on the bench, which lasted only 12 games. So way to stay on point and on brand there, Lakers. Uh, they couldn't even get it right in two seconds, but hey, that's all right. Uh, but it didn't matter, because the team uh, definitely rallied behind Pat Riley as the new coach. Coach, uh, key players after this run, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 29.9 points per game, 8.7 rebounds per game in the regular season, 20.4 points per game, 8.5 in the playoffs. Uh, Jamal Wilkes, 21.1 points per game in the regular season, 20 points in the playoffs. Uh, Of course, Magic Johnson, 18.6 points per game, 9.5 assists, 9.5 rebounds per game in the regular season. Uh, Those stay pretty consistent in the playoffs, 17.4 points, 9.3 assists, and 11.3 rebounds per game. Uh, Bob McAdoo is actually an interesting one here. He's a big factor in the playoffs and really resurrected his career over the next few years with the Lakers. He averaged 16.7 points per game in the playoffs after only putting up uh, 9.6 during the regular season. And also Norm Nixon stepped up big in the playoffs, averaging 20.4 points per game and 8.1 assists per game. As far as the playoff path, relatively easy for the Lakers here. They win uh, semifinals over the Suns 4-0. Uh, they win the Western Conference Finals 4-0 over the, over the Spurs. And then they win the NBA Finals 4-2 over the Sixers. They lost the second game, uh, so that's what kind of broke up their undefeated streak. And, of course, they would lose another game in the finals, but not bad. Pretty close to the uh, uh, the perfect, uh, one of the more perfect marks we'd seen in, in what, 40 years? Because it had been, what, since 1957. So it had been quite a while since we had seen a team even make a run like the 82 Lakers. So yeah. uh, pretty uh, pretty significant. Yeah, and obviously the 83 Sixers would make the famous, you know, the the, the faux five faux run, but they would lose in the second round. So they didn't have that streak of length, but they obviously had one of the um, great playoff runs of uh, all time just in the next season, but but not, didn't quite fit our criteria here. So I didn't want anybody to be like, oh, you guys didn't mention it, but when, you know, because <laughs> yeah. It would be an easy, uh, easy thing to uh, overlook. But anyway, uh, next, uh, another again on this list, the Lakers are a definitely team that dominates this list is the 1989 Lakers, who did not win the title. Um, 
this was the uh, this was their rematch against the uh, the Pistons, and they were in fact swept in the uh, playoffs. But before we get there, uh, regular season they had won their eighth consecutive division title, winning fifty seven games, and they were looking to become the first team since the Celtics of the sixties to win three straight titles. In fact, they had become the first team in about twenty years to win two straight titles. Um, their top players, of course, Magic Johnson, uh, James Worthy, uh, Byron Scott. Uh, Kareem, at this point, this was his last season. He had slowed down uh, 10.1 points per game during the season, 11.1 in the uh, playoffs. Uh, and then he had retirement tour where he had tributes in every arena to, uh, of course, honor his uh, career. And uh, he actually writes about it in he has a, he has a book uh, about that last season. And also it had some early stuff in his career, which is a, a pretty good look at what happened there. And also talks about his uh, uh, you can see sort of the, the fraying of his relationship with um, with um, Pat Riley, which uh, play, kind of plays into uh, what happened during this uh, the end of the playoff run. But. Uh, they swept the first round against Portland, uh, the second round against Seattle, and uh, the uh, Western Conference Finals against Phoenix. Um, that would be going 11-0 during that time. Uh, and they had a, a lot of extra time because uh, the um, the Pistons uh, played the Bulls in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, and that was a, a tougher series for them. So they had uh, a bunch of time. So uh, Riley decided to have a uh, mini training camp of sort for the uh, for the team, and it was described as one of the hardest and most grueling they'd ever endured. You know, even. Um, considering the preseason, which they were known for some pretty hard workouts. And uh, Byron Scott suffered a hamstring injury that would keep him out of the uh, finals. And then in uh, Game 2, Magic Johnson would also suffer a hamstring injury that would limit him throughout the rest of the season, the rest of the series, rather. Uh, And so, yeah, without... um, Without Byron Scott or Magic out there, they really uh, struggled to, uh, you know, be able to uh, do anything out there. They were swept. Kareem had one last, uh, you know, pretty good game. I think he had 23 and 14 in game three of that uh, finals. But um, it was not enough. The, uh, I mean, I think the Pistons were due anyway at that point. But obviously without, um, you know, without Magic and Byron Scott, the Lakers were not going to be able to compete in uh, in, in that series. All right, and then our last team here is the 2001 Los Angeles Lakers regular season record of 56-26. and 26. They were going for a repeat of the NBA title after defeating the Indiana Pacers uh, in the finals of the year prior. Uh, some little fun facts about this team before we get into their playoff run. During the offseason, they acquire Horace Grant from the Seattle Supersonics. I don't remember the Horace Grant Seattle Supersonics run whatsoever. I don't. Did he ever even play for them? I, uh, I honestly have no This is the first time that I realized that he played for the Sonics. So, um, yeah, I, I, I yeah. saw that too, and I was like, really? I, he must have. It must have been some weird trade where he didn't play. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway, they acquired Horace Grant from the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, Grant had won, of course, three championships with the Chicago Bulls in the early 90s. Uh, the team had also signed free agent Isaiah Ryder, who had previously played for your Atlanta Hawks, Jason. I know you have many vivid memories of the Isaiah Ryder um, oh, absolutely. It, it's, it's a high point Run, of yeah. Yeah, all time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, of, so. of Hawktum, yeah. Uh, as far as the playoff path for the uh, Lakers, uh, swept the NBA first round 3-0 against the Portland Trailblazers. This is, of course, before the NBA would go to seven uh, games in the first round. So this is only 3-0 for this one. Uh, they would win the uh, Western Conference semifinals, sweep, of course, of the Sacramento Kings, uh, and then sweep of the Western Conference finals 4-0 over the San Antonio Spurs. And they almost could have done it. They could have done the perfect playoff run, but they lost game one 
to the Philadelphia 76ers and Allen Iverson. And this is the infamous Allen Iverson step over Tyron Lue game. Uh, after that game, the Lakers pretty much won the rest of the series pretty easily. Uh, nine points, five points, 14 points. And then in the ultimate game, the, the last, uh, game when they, you know, of course, when the NBA finals, uh, they win by 12. So it was a pretty easy after that. But yeah, if it just hadn't been for that one game, we could have looked at them as, as a perfect playoff run. And they're kind of the easiest comp we have, uh, to the current Warriors, but the Warriors have already kind of blown past these guys as well. So, uh, to see how the rest of this year plays out and if the Cavs are able to get one or if, you know, the Warriors are able to, to, to do it, you know, the 2001 or, uh, one Lakers and the, all the teams that we mentioned above here couldn't do. And, and that's a perfect playoff run, which is no easy task, uh, particularly when, you know, there's now, you know, an extra game in the first round and, and there's just so many other factors that play into it. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. But yeah, this this one Lakers team is about the closest we've seen in terms of a team that, you know, went, what, 11 and one or, or, or what? Yeah, I, I can't do the math in my head. Uh, yeah, 11 and one, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, that, that is right. So. Yeah. Uh, so I have uh, I, I dug into the uh, Horace Grant uh, Seattle uh, experience. Okay, thank you. So our friends at uh, NBA Trades uh, did, uh, did did a post on this, which we'll, we'll, of course they we'll did. put a link <laughs> in the uh, show notes for it because. Uh, but the uh, so the Magic traded Grant to the Sonics, and it was for the rights to Corey Maggette and also Dale Ellis, who was somehow still around. Uh, Don McLean and Billy Owens, and um, not the American Pie singer Don McLean, I assume, but a different Don <laughs> McLean. So um, we don't know that though. We I don't, know, I don't that. know that for sure, but I'm I'm guessing that that is not the uh, one. So and then he was traded to the Lakers. It was part of the uh, Patrick Ewing trade, well, where he went to um, Seattle. Um, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So it well, he did play. Uh, Grant did play one year for the Sonics. He was. Uh, the starting center, they actually did play um, – they actually played pretty well for a while and then um, and then kind of fell out after uh, – they were 27 and 13 and then they ended up losing 24 out of 42 to uh, – and they lost to the uh, Sonic – or excuse me, they lost to the Jazz in the first round um, in a five-game series. So uh, he struggled during that series and then, yeah, he was traded. That, that deal also involved Patrick Ewing and Glenn Rice, so – Wow! <laughs> yeah, that, that was a big trade. Jeez, yeah. So I'm looking. I'm looking now, and it, there there is actually photographic proof of Horace Grant playing on the side. Yeah. So we 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 can't confirm that. So right. I, uh, first I've ever heard of it. Yes, <laughs> the first I've ever actually noticed it. So that's uh, there we go. A bit uh, a rare bit of Horace Grant fun facts coming at the end of this podcast. You, you didn't expect no, that. No, I didn't. expect when, click, that. when you click on this episode title, when you download on any little podcast app, you don't think you're going to get a, a, an extensive breakdown of Horace Grant's. Seattle Supersonics run, but that's what you get yeah. here. I don't know if I would call it extensive, but it, 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 <laughs> no, it was No, 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 it was extensive. It was, no, it was extensive. So. <laughs> All right, well, uh, thanks, everyone, for checking us out. You can find us at the stepback at fansided.com. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe, uh, give us a rating and review on uh, iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, we're also on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Just find us at Over and Back NBA. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.